This path will lead you to an unholy place, a cemetery. Hello everybody, Foggy Jack here, the Lost Boy, Oddball of Magic, and the host of the Foggy Jack 13 Podcast. I'll meet you down in the pumpkin patch where the haunters meet the haunted. Log Talk Radio. dedicating not so much to Hamilton, but very much to Ottawa. Uh, Ottawa is going to be the location of our next very exciting bus trip that happens starting this Friday. I can't believe it's uh, come so quickly. Friday, April 17th, we're going three days and two nights, going to Sunday the 19th. And then in, um, in Ottawa, the two nights that we're there, we're staying at the old haunted jail. Now, we have a really good guest coming on the show later on, probably be coming in around 9.30 tonight, uh, Glenn Shackleton. He's a very smart man. He started Haunted Walks in Kingston and Ottawa. He does the tours up there. He does tours in the downtown area. He does tours at the old haunted jail um, and uh, Fort Henry in Kingston and downtown. Um, we, we work with him a lot on our bus trips, and he's going to be providing those tours for us. So he's going to come in with some really cool and spooky stories. Now, getting on with the show, I want to give you the call-in number. Please feel free to call in today, uh, because as you might notice, I am the only one talking so far, and that would mean that Stephanie is MIA tonight, missing in action. Stephanie is not on the show tonight. Uh, the message board, or sorry, the chat room, I said it again, the chat room people, you guys are on your best behavior. I have a uh, spy in there. I won't say his name, but let's just say it starts with HH and ends with poet. He's going to be my <laughs> spy. As well as, as you heard, his sinister laugh in the background, HH poet, Mr. Michael Buchak, is my co-host tonight. Say hello to everybody. Good evening. Good evening. So we have the haunted Hamilton poet on the line. He's going to read a couple poems for us tonight. We're very excited about that. He will actually be with me throughout the show. So I will hope that uh, you are on your best behavior, Mike. Are you planning for that tonight? I will do my best. Yeah, because we can't forget that you are a poet after all. This is true. And, you know, on occasion I'll just say something absurd and I'll end up getting a lot of looks from people next time they see me, and I don't want that. Yeah, well, we don't mind absurd, but uh, revolting and disgusting. <laughs> okay, that, that stuff I will hold off on for tonight, but only tonight. Okay, fine. Well, <laughs> see, this is, this, is, this is my first show without Stephanie, so I'm a little bit vulnerable right now, and I hope people take advantage of that. I just might. Oh, now I'm scared. <laughs> speaking of which, speaking of being scared, I have another little friend on the show, and I tried to play him for um, for Mike earlier, and he says he's not coming through very well. I'll play him for you guys right now, and let's see if you can tell. I believe in ghosts. 
Now, what he's saying is he believes in ghosts. Now, what this is, it's a little tiny Build-A-Bear. And, and don't ask me how we got it. I didn't build him, first off. I'll, I'll say that first off. Uh, but he, we got him, and you can record sounds, like just quick sounds in here. So we've made him say all sorts of terrible things. And now he's saying he believes in ghosts. Now, the reason he says that is because he actually does believe in ghosts. He, uh, he has been taken over a couple times, we think. Because normally you have to push this play button on him. To get it him sounds to like speak. he's possessed himself. Exactly. And <laughs> normally you hit, the, you hit the play button to get him to talk, right? But he has actually been talking on his own ever since we, we moved to a new location. He has started talking on his own. He started by scaring my mom when she was uh, <laughs> unpacking some of our stuff. He was talking from inside the box. Uh-oh. And my mom's like, She's like, I'm hearing voices, I'm hearing voices. She, she wouldn't go back upstairs. So we opened the box, and there he is with an innocent-looking smile on his face. So, so, he's long gonna, as, so long as the bear doesn't pull a 360 like with his head. You know what? I don't want to see his head spin. I don't. <laughs> I don't want to see pea soup spitting out of his mouth or any other. <laughs> now, I tell you, this bear, he's very innocent-looking. He's going to sit beside me on the desk here. So if you hear him talking in the background, I'm going to guarantee you right now that I did not push the button. So let's see if he says anything during the show. Maybe he'll want to come out and tell us he believes in ghosts again. <laughs> so, um, getting on with the show. See, the chat room is starting to get populated a bit. Um, hopefully we get a decent crowd tonight. We know it is the holiday weekend, so uh, a few people may not be able to make it out. And I'm just going to move the chat window over here. And there we go. So, Mr. Bootshock, how are you doing tonight? Uh, aside from my binge eating of donuts yesterday, I'm doing all right. Yeah, are you still tired? Uh, incredibly. I kind of want to pass out. (laughs) The unfortunate thing, we had a little get-together a little while back, and and, and H.H. Poet started splurging on donuts. They were delicious. I couldn't resist. Yes, and we we sent (laughs) No one can resist the might of the Boston cream. The Boston cream. (laughs) Yes. So filled with deliciousness. Yes, and as a reminder, this is a family show. So we'll be <laughs> uh, right off the top of the show, I'd like to say a thank you. Last week, um, I believe it was last week, April 4th, Stephanie and I uh, did a little trip out to Windsor. And for people who haven't been out to Windsor, there is something really cool. As you're driving into the downtown core and you see the buildings in front of you, this when I saw it for the first time, I asked Stephanie, I said, those buildings look awfully big for the town of Windsor, which I believe is a population of 200,000. And I, I just couldn't understand it until we got closer and closer and realized that that's actually Detroit, just across the water. <laughs> it's it actually, it's a swim. You could jump in there and even somebody like me, who you know, is slow like a turtle, could get across without drowning and be in Detroit. Of course, they'd probably be firing on me before I got there. <laughs> but uh, we drove in. We actually um, ended up speaking at a, a paranormal sort of get-together on the investigation side being mm-hmm. held by our friends out there, a group called Spectral Solutions. Uh, they are on the Internet. Uh, I don't have the address here, but I will look it up. Once again, Stephanie is not here, so I'm a little bit, um, a little bit overwhelmed by this stuff. So Spectral Solutions, look it up in Google and you'll find them. They're very cool people. We were happy to do the, um, the speaking engagement for them. Now, I have somebody calling in here. I think I know who it is. I'll bring them in. Who do we have on the line? Hello. 
Oh my god, it's Stephanie! <laughs> I'm not sure who you're talking about. My oh, name sorry, is actually this... my name is actually Vivian. It's Vivian, okay. How are you doing tonight, Vivian? Oh, I'm doing lovely. How are you fine gentlemen doing? Gentlemen. Not too bad. Vivian. <clears throat> <laughs> so what's new? Do you hear we have the bear on the on the show tonight? A bear? Did you didn't hear the beginning? Yes, I heard the beginning. We have we have a, a build a bear on this show, a haunted build a bear. Oh, that's quite fun. Did you build him yourself, Daniel? I did not. Actually, I said that too. I I, I didn't build this build a bear. I I have a question before before I must go. I have my friend here named Mildred. Okay. I'm listening. Is is Mr. Buchok there? Yes. Mr. Buchok? Yes. My friend Mildred would like to know if you are single. Oh, one of those, eh? Are we doing this online seriously? She would uh, like to know if you are single and if you bake donuts. Bake donuts? Mm-hmm. No, no, I just ingest them. <laughs> uh, In a very okay. unhealthy manner. Vivian, would yes, Mildred happen to be your mother? No. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? I'm a 65-year-old woman. <clears throat> yeah, we're, okay. we're not going to go there tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you for calling in, Vivian. We appreciate it. You're welcome, I and I, I enjoy listening to the rest of the show. Oh, I bet Thanks you will. Well, enjoy well. what hopefully will not become a train wreck. <laughs> Goodbye, young fellows. Goodbye. Bye. (laughs) Okay, well, you know what? I say we lead off the show right now after that uh, unfortunate prank call that we just got. Uh, We'll we'll lead off the show with a poem. What do you think about that, Mike? I think that sounds great, and I think I have the perfect one considering the sun just completely set. Nice. Uh, Know which one you're talking about. People are going to enjoy it very much. Oh, it's... uh, Probably my favorite one, actually. Uh, so, this I just recently wrote on Friday, for those of you that are listening. Uh, <clears throat> Thus came with a faint moon laden of an enig- enigmatic sun setting red, amidst an ebon sky emblazoned with beacons lit under a twilight bed. A herald of light burning black, an umbra of the darkened day, and sacrifice of life eternal for a pendulum of inexorable sway. A red rose black and dead of reprieve far from omission, for twisted thorns that bled the light to unholy submission. The hungering dark thirsts for more within the strangling vines of night, but now must resign to the day, waiting to prey upon a tedious plight. Morrow may rise with weakened eyes, and so resurrected it shall regain. Its luminescence hopelessly prized, in defeat of the light, to darkness is reign. I love that one. Excellent. Oh, oh thank you. Thank you. Very nicely done. Too. I enjoyed that very much. Excellent. <laughs> excellent. So we'll have you read another one uh, later on in the show. And, of course, I, I believe sure. you're in the chat room now. So if anybody wants to ask H.H. H. Poet any questions about his poetry, please do. 
I think we, we have kind of a small crowd tonight, but we're going to still go forward with the show and get the information out there. Maybe there's people who haven't come into the chat room and you're still listening. We don't want to ignore you. Um, Stephanie did, but I came in. I wanted to focus on our listener. I, uh, wanted, I didn't want to, to deprive you of a wonderful show tonight. Um, yeah, Stephanie, that. <clears throat> okay, moving on. <laughs> so... I uh, want to also mention that uh, in about a couple weeks' time, we have the first Hermitage Walk of the season. That's Saturday, April 25th. Uh, we have three tours going that night. I really look forward very, to that very one cool. myself. Yeah, you haven't been to it yet, have you? No, not yet. No, so but I will be did indeed write something about it. Yes, I can't wait to read the poem about it. But you, you got to experience I'll give you a little bit of a teaser right now. Basically, sure. you, you come down there, you, you park in the parking lot, and you're you're under one electro, electronic light, and there's mm-hmm. no more path. At this point, we're going to walk you into the forest down a, a pitch black path under a canopy of trees that sort of cover you. If you were in there while it was raining, you actually wouldn't get rained on. That's how dark it is down that path. Oh, and that's then awesome. we take you, Yeah, nice, huh? We take you up to the ruins, and around the ruins, there is this, just this energy, this feeling of dread that comes over you when you're there, and it oh, just my favorite amazing. feeling. Your your favorite one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're gonna love this walk. You know what? Out of the entire time that we've been doing this, many experiences have, have happened there. We've added to the tour, to the tour over the years, but we always have a part in the tour because we're out in the middle of the forest and we're standing in the middle of these ruins and a big group of people, the first thing that comes over you is the mm-hmm. feeling of like being at a campfire and telling ghost stories, right? Mm-hmm. So we, uh, we set it up that towards the end of the tour, uh, as we're in the middle of the ruins, as an excuse to stay out there a bit longer and, and be among it, uh, we actually have people tell their ghost stories and then the guide will tell some personal stories from their life too. So it's just it's a really great night that's focused on good ghost stories and good old-fashioned scares. So you're so saying I could probably uh, relay my own experience in that location as well if I wanted. Hmm. You could. Well, you see, your experience is different because it actually happened there. Would you like to share that with our listeners today? Hmm. You know what? Why not? Uh, some of you may have already heard this one, though. Um, and uh, as we're talking about, it is about the Hermitage location, but it's not really anything to do with any of the, uh, I guess, hauntings that have occurred uh, in that location. Um, So what happened is, um, I I was about eight, between eight and ten years old, and um, after church one day, uh, my mother decided that we should go for a hike somewhere. So uh, she she chose the hermitage, and uh, we ended up driving down there as soon as we got to the parking lot. Uh, we started towards the trail, and for whatever reason, I decided to turn around and look back, and a crow landed on the uh, roof of our car. So, uh, like any bratty child would, I ran towards the car, trying to scare away this bird. Uh, it didn't fly away. I came probably within about five feet of the vehicle. Um, so, I just stared at it, and it stared back at me, and I started pacing towards the bird, just a little bit closer, and I end up getting face-to-face with it. Um, so I got even more brave, and I put my hand over its head, and I started petting its head. 
and uh, the rest of my family just kind of looked back at me like, okay, what, what's going on here? This is a little bit strange. Why is this wild animal letting, letting me pet, uh, pet it, like pet its head? And um, so after about 15 seconds of that, I walked back towards my family and looked back, and the bird fla finally flew away. Um, now, the weirdest part about this story is, um, I guess, in myth or legend, the crow is supposed to symbolize uh, death or be a messenger of death. And uh, probably about a month or two after um, that event, uh, I found out that my great-grandfather passed away. Oh. So you think that that crow kind of brought the message, so to speak? <laughs> well, I always did think that it was, you know, it was just something made up because a lot of the things that, I guess, uh, humanity uh, uses as symbolism is all made up. Uh, just for, I guess, uh, I guess for story's sake or however you want to put it, and uh, I guess that this is one of the few times where I just went, hmm, maybe it actually is true, and I, I'm still a little skeptical about it, uh, but regardless, it was still a pretty strange experience. Very cool, very cool. Now that that Hermitage area. Um, is actually it's the only location that, in the 10 years that Stephanie and I have been doing this with Haunted Hamilton, the only location where I've seen something that I couldn't explain. Now, I'm going to quickly go through the story. I'm sure some people listening know this story. I'll quickly go through it again for those who don't. Uh, we were leaving the tours at the time, Stephanie and myself, before we hired on uh, dramatic actors to take it over. And I was going around the one side uh, to gather up some people who were milling around and taking pictures before we had to go. I came around the corner and I saw two people walking towards me and thought nothing of it. I called out to them and I told them that the security guard was going to lock us in, so we got to get going. Completely ignored me. Uh, so the second time, a little bit more stern, I, I yelled it out. Uh, I said, we got to get going. You don't want to get locked in for the night. And when I yelled this the second time, they turned and they veered towards the forest and actually walked into the forest that night. Now, I ran behind them immediately scared that they might trip and fall had the light on in a couple seconds and first found that the, there was no path where they walked. It was completely overgrown with bushes and, and branches and all sorts of stuff. And the second thing was that they were gone. There was nobody there. Now, the interesting part of this, first off, is Stephanie was back watching me yell out to nothing. <laughs> and this was a night of a full moon. I'll tell you right now that I saw these two people as plain as day. It wasn't like just shadows in the night. They were there. And the other thing is the area that they walked in, I found out only later on that that was the location of the original well of the Hermitage property. So originally it would have been cleared and people would have gone there on a regular basis. So a uh, very, very interesting experience. It's actually part of the tour. I uh, get the guys to, to reenact and pretend they're me. It's a fun time for all. So definitely come out if you're listening. You've never been on a haunted Hamilton walk. You want to experience it. Start with the Hermitage. It is our most unique walk. It is our most interesting walk, and it's our most scary walk. And HH Poet's going to be out there to make sure that you have a spooky time. <laughs> yeah, yeah it def I definitely make things a little more strange. That's for sure. <laughs> you do very well. And I was thinking, actually, when when you have a poem to read there, is that we won't have you do it behind the gatehouse where the tour starts. We'll actually have you do it during that uh, campfire. Uh, 
when everybody's gathered and just like waiting for really spooky things to happen. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? That sounds great. It sounds sexy, doesn't it? It sounds amazing. Nice. <laughs> now, at this point in the show, I was hoping that um, Kate, uh, resident psychic Kate Kingston, would be uh, in the show or, or at least available. So we wanted to talk a little bit uh, about our Ottawa trip before Glenn Shackleton gets on the line. Um, and I know that she would give us a lot of uh, cool insight into the stuff that she picked up. She was on our first two Ottawa trips that happened in 2003 and 2004. And I remember we kind of threw her into terrible situations. We'd be, you know, investigating the jail at night, and you'd get up to death row, and everybody was a little bit, um, a little bit uh, held back by going into this this really energetic area. And it'd be like, hey, go in first, check it out. <laughs> now send her in as a barometer, and if nothing comes out and drags her down into the floor, we're okay. <laughs> so uh, I was hoping Kate would be in here, and if she does, uh, if she's listening, uh, please do call in. Uh, once again, the call-in number for this show, actually, this is probably the first time I'm saying it, the call-in number for this show is area code 646-716-9903. As well, if you're in the, um, the radio window, there is a click to talk button. If you have a microphone on your computer, you hit that and you'll come into the show and you can tell us all the cool stuff about the Ottawa jail. Uh, so going to the jail, uh, we're going on starting on Friday. I remember when we went uh, the first couple of times, the, the things that were happening there were really, really cool. But keep in mind, it's a very original building. Uh, the gallows, uh, where public executions took place, are still there. The noose is still hanging. The uh, death row at the time, I believe it's on the top floor, uh, death row is still there. We're going to have access to that till about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, so a really cool area. Uh, Solitary confinement. Sorry? I can't wait for the... Looking, oh, looking forward uh, to that one. Yep. <laughs> now, you're going to actually like this better, H.H. Poet. Um, solitary confinement. They used to actually strip the inmates naked and chain them <laughs> or face out. Oh, yeah. Nothing says a great trip like bondage. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, on that note, uh, it is a very <laughs> scary situation. Please don't let me change quotes <laughs> take away from that. Uh, so it's confinement, uh, the gallows, and the floors are all going to be open to us for the entire night. So if you're the dedicated ghost investigator, you, you're going to bring your tools, you're going to you have your EMF detectors and your tape recorders and your cameras, I almost can guarantee something is going to happen. This place is that active. I remember when we, we went there in 2004, I believe it was, and overnight different people came to us at separate occasions and told us throughout the night they heard the sound from uh, one of the empty cells as if a tin cup was being rubbed uh, back and forth on the bars. That was happening throughout the night, and I think it freaked a few people out. So the next morning there was a lot of uh, uh, red eyes because people were tired because they couldn't get to sleep. Uh, it, is, it is quite the location now. We're also, we're staying in the cells. We're going to be on two of the floors, and these would have been original cells that held inmates. Uh, they have been converted to very clean rooms with uh, very comfortable bunk beds. This place is a fortress against bugs. There is not one bug in this entire place. I was amazed by that last time. It is super clean. 
Uh, linens, very comfortable. The facilities, the bathroom facilities, shower facilities are modern. They are clean. It is a wonderful, wonderful experience. So we're very See, much looking now, forward to it. Now that you mentioned insects, uh, i got to say that the one thing that actually does frighten me, like I, I, don't, I don't get scared easily, but the one thing that does frighten me are centipedes. I can't stand them. They're fast, they're hairy, 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 like, just, <laughs> I see them, like, in the most ridiculous places, I'll, I'll wake up and look on the wall, and there's one crawling, and I just freak right out. So, so how would you react if you saw one? Uh, call my dad, tell him to come here and stomp on it for me. <laughs> yeah. Would you scream, or would you just go... <gasps> I I just gasp. I I don't I don't scream. I'm not that bad. Are you sure about that? No. Wait wait wait. I I think I I, I might have known. This, this oh my god! I think I just made myself deaf. <laughs> yeah yeah me me too. But yeah something like that. <laughs> okay sorry about that. I I didn't know it was gonna get that loud. And just in the nick of time, I believe we have uh, Glenn Shackleton on the line right now. I'm going to bring him into the show. Glenn, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you doing today? I'm good, thanks. Yeah. You have a nice Easter weekend? Yeah, I did. I got on the line just in time to get uh, deafened by that, <laughs> that scream there. <laughs> well, we, like, we like to keep our listeners active. That's for yeah, sure. I knew I was in the right place, I guess. <laughs> so. Just make sure they're okay. still awake, right? I wasn't on a gardening show or something. <laughs> Nothing like that. Uh, yeah. We have uh, on the line with us, we have our own uh, haunted Hamilton poet, a, a young man by the name of Michael Buchok, who has written some original poetry of, about our walks and our events. Uh, so this is, this is Glenn Shackleton, everybody. He is the purveyor and the, the founder of Haunted Walks of Canada. He does uh, haunted walks in Ottawa and Kingston as well. You do at Fort Henry and, of course, the place we were just talking about, the old Ottawa jail. That's right. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. So we're happy to have you on the show tonight. Uh, we were hoping you would uh, come in and talk a little bit about the ghosts of Ottawa, since uh, some of the people listening to the show tonight are actually going to be part of our Ottawa bus trip starting on Friday the 17th. And maybe you could give us a couple stories uh, from the, the, the jail and, and from Ottawa itself. Absolutely, yeah. Well, you're definitely going to one of the, uh, I guess, most internationally famous haunted places, certainly in Ontario, um, uh, being the old Ottawa Jail Hostel. It, uh, uh, for those who've never been there before, it's, uh, it, it was the old prison in Ottawa, the old 19th century prison, and uh, was a place that had, uh, it was eventually closed down in the 1970s for inhumane living conditions, and certainly with... Uh, with very good reason, but it was open for 110 years, and uh, now it's run as a hostel that you can stay at, but um, it, uh, it, much of the building is still preserved as it was back when it was an old prison. So you would, you would say that it wasn't the, uh, the best situation, the people who were in this place wouldn't be in the best of moods? No, certainly not. Uh, first of all, it was a place where there were three official hangings that took place, uh, including one of the most famous hangings uh, in Canadian history, the, the hanging of Patrick Whelan, who uh, was uh, accused and convicted of the murder of Thomas Darcy McGee, one of the Fathers of Confederation here in Ottawa. And uh, he was hanged in front of a crowd of over 5,000 people. So, 
it uh, was definitely uh, a big event. And certainly, uh, out of the three men that were hanged at the prison, we believe that there were at least two of the three probably would not have been convicted under modern in a modern court, let's put it that way. Whether they were guilty or not, and I guess no one really knows, but uh, they certainly there certainly wasn't really enough evidence to convict them of the crimes that they were hanged for. So certainly that's a good recipe for having a haunted building. Um, that's, those are some of the uh, so those are some of the more obvious causes, but I guess less obvious is just the fact that the living conditions were so poor in this old jail that you know we have no idea how many uh, of the prisoners that stayed there ended up dying in the building, but certainly a good number uh it, you know it was uh it was a place where uh there was no you know no glass in the windows so you had the extremes of temperature here in ottawa both in the summer you had the mosquitoes and the heat and in the winter you had the cold coming right in through the windows so uh it uh, it was not a pleasant place to stay that's for sure now just to, to make a note to everybody listening that has since changed Yes. In fact, actually, it's pretty impressive how comfortable it is there, considering it's old history. Yeah, but uh, you know, it it actually is. It's often ranked as one of the top hostels in Canada to stay at, so it's a nice place to stay. But uh, it's just that in the old days, uh, they weren't quite uh, so accommodating, I guess, to the people that were there. No, no, very true. Now, is is it also true, Glenn, that um, they they had, you mentioned the official uh, public executions, but they also had unofficial ones? Yeah, I mean, certainly we, you know, we can't, we obviously can't say 100% for sure that that happened, but certainly it was not uncommon in these prisons uh, for that to happen. In fact, on our Kingston tour, um, one of the spots that we feature in Kingston is the site of the old jail, which would have been the same kind of setup as the Ottawa jail. Uh, unfortunately, in Kingston, it was ter- it was torn down, so it's now a parking lot. But uh, um, we did they did find evidence in the Kingston jail. They found a body of a man who'd been hanged unofficially by the guards, or at least that's the assumption, because there was no record of this man being hanged. He was bricked up in the behind a wall. So um, it's not. Uh, I guess it, it wasn't that unusual in this period for that kind of thing to happen in the jails. That maybe the guards would uh, deal with a troublesome prisoner themselves. So uh, there are some rumors that this may have taken place uh, over a beam that's in the stairwell of the gallows. Certainly that's possible. Um, but, you know, certainly there were other ways as well. Of, uh, I'm, I'm sure that there was more than one murder taking place in that, and, and there really weren't, wasn't much in the way of records in, in the early days of the jail. So not most of the bodies would have just been buried in the parking lot, or well, not the parking lot, but the old prison yard, which is now the parking lot. And... Uh, uh, probably not much would have been said about it in those days. Right. Well, and that's actually where Patrick Whalen rests today, isn't it? In, in the old back uh, courtyard. Exactly. Uh, and, uh, the courtyard itself originally extended. There was a private courtyard in the back, and, and there was also a much bigger courtyard on the side of the building, which is where the parking lot is now. And uh, about half of that courtyard was taken was uh, demolished, I guess, when they put in the Mackenzie King Bridge, which runs. Uh, close to the to the parking lot of the jail and uh, when they when they were doing that construction they found uh, many many remains of, of people buried there so uh, it, it is believed that there are still many more buried in the parking lot uh, you know we can't be certain of whether Patrick Whelan's body might have been removed at that time but uh, considering the haunted history of the place I guess it certainly certainly leads you to believe that he's still there.
Now, one of the stories that I really liked reading about Patrick Whaling is because after they executed him, they believe that uh, he may not have been guilty and that he might have just been a scapegoat. Uh, so yeah. they, they mentioned that in, I think, 2002, there was a uh, celebration or some type of centennial going on where they uh, took some dirt from the ground where he, or just above where he was hung or hanged, and yeah. they blessed it, and they moved it to the cemetery where his wife was buried. Now, the interesting part of that is the cemetery is in Montreal, and I believe it is also the cemetery where uh, Darcy McGee is buried. Right. And the, the reason they didn't bury Will in there in the first place is they felt that the Irish in Montreal would riot. So, um, you know, to make the story even a little bit more, I guess, uh, I, I guess a little bit worse in some ways, um, when when they want, originally the judge had promised him that he would be buried in his family plot in Montreal, and when Whelan was hanged, uh, they changed their mind and decided not to bury him, to bury him instead in the in the prison yard, and they tried to get a Roman Catholic clergy uh, person to come and do the burial, but no one would come to do a burial in a common prison. So he was a very religious man, and this was his last, you know, essentially his last request. And the thing he was most concerned about was to get this proper burial in his family plot. And he received neither. He was buried without without ceremony in the prison yard. So um, what's funny though is, yeah, that when that actually happened, um, the, the the incident you're referring to when they when they took some dirt to Montreal. Um, this was a man that uh, uh, says he's a, a relative of of Whelan and wanted to put his spirit to rest but uh, we very distinctly noticed on our ghost tours that particularly immediately following that uh, that there was a, a large increase in incidents uh, among guests at the hospital as well as on our tours of strange things happening and uh, it seems if anything to have stirred up the uh, <laughs> the activities of the spirits there at the jail um, you know, I guess there could be a couple explanations for that. Perhaps uh, it was Whelan more or less telling us he's still there, uh, is one theory. Or perhaps there's more than one spirit at the old jail, and maybe there's some of the other spirits that are there were kind of letting us know that, the that you know, we're dealing with the wrong person, I guess, because he, he wasn't the only one to die in the building. He wasn't the only one hang there. Very and very some of the ghost stories, you know, and apparitions that are seen meet his description, but some of them do not. So... It certainly seems to be a very busy place. Yes, definitely. Now, uh, I want to talk a little bit about one of the most mysterious things in that jail. Uh, is I believe it was a, the vampire note. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do, yeah. Um, some of the stories, you know, the jails had a lot of stories for, for many decades since it was turned into a youth hostel. And some of them we found to be more urban legend, I guess, than real ghost story. Um, some of them are a little bit more... Uh, I guess well documented you know that one is kind of a weird one I know it was something that Terry Boyle had come across when he was looking into the into the jail but um, you know we're not really sure what happened with that vampire note it's just they found a mysterious note some of the theories I guess some of the the hostel staff believe it's you know more likely something that was just left over from a scavenger hunt or something along those lines but uh, uh, but uh, and don't necessarily think it's one of the haunted things at the jail, but um, I know there have been other theories certainly about it. That, uh, but but I mean, there's more than enough other bizarre things um, that have happened there. That I mean, personally, I think actually the, one of the most recent and scariest stories I can tell you uh, happened in 2005, and uh, you know there have been many things that have happened since then, but this was one of the ones that particularly stuck with me. 
It has nothing to do with the vampire stairs, but it's just one of my favorite little short <laughs> stories from the jail. And uh, a, a lady was staying there, a hosteler was staying there in the building, and uh, she was down in the main cafeteria area, and she was out quite late with a group of friends, and she got home, and she wished them all good night, went upstairs to the fourth floor where she was staying, and uh, so this wasn't something, unlike most of the stories that happened on the eighth floor where the, the gallows are, this was actually on one of the floors where people stay. And she was heading to her jail cell where she was staying, and uh, she just saw out of the corner of the eye that there was a person standing at the end of the hallway in the bathroom. Um, she saw that they had a large white towel wrapped around them, and she just assumed it was another hospital, which she didn't pay it any mind. And she went into her cell and got her toothbrush, went down to the end of the hall, and just when she got to the doorway of the bathroom, she just felt a sick kind of disturbed feeling in her stomach, like something wasn't quite right. This figure turned slowly towards her and looked at her, and when she saw the face, she was overcome with horror to see that, in fact, there were no features on this face. It was a completely blank slate. There was no eyes, mouth, nose, just a completely blank expressionless blank slate and uh, she ran downstairs got her friends to come upstairs and search and they found nothing no sign of this character so uh, certainly for her was uh, she was actually quite upset about it and went down in the middle of the night to demand that they move her to a different floor or to a different she went to one of the private rooms instead <laughs> so certainly had kind of a convincing uh, experience at the jail that's so creepy that's yeah heard that and seen um, a spirit without any faith, um, and I'm, I'm surprised she stayed. I'm surprised she stayed too, yeah, she just moved to one of the private rooms, but uh, I guess maybe, you know, a lot of people that go there want to see something, but then when they actually do see something, sometimes they get more than they bargained for, I guess, so. I wonder, yeah, she, I guess she assumed or thought that the private room would keep her safe if the spirit wanted to follow her there. Yeah, I'm not sure, but I guess she didn't see any more sign of them, so maybe it was something. I'm not sure if you guys are staying on the fourth floor, but... <laughs> I, I'm not too sure. I think, actually, the fourth floor does sound familiar. We might be staying on that floor. <laughs> well, all those floors are kind of identical uh, leading up. They, they're all They're all, you know reconstructed from the old jail cells, but uh, they're a lot more comfortable than that sounds, but uh, uh, because they've knocked some walls out and things like that to make them uh, more comfortable accommodations. But uh, it, uh, it definitely, you know, most things do concentrate around death row, but we get just as many reports from people that are just staying there. And in some cases, they, they come because they know it's a haunted place. And in many cases, they have no idea that it's haunted. They'll just come down in the middle of the night to the front desk and say, have you guys ever heard anything weird about this place? Because I had something happen to me. So, and the hospital staff just think, oh, here we go again, you know? Here we go again. <laughs> yeah, for now, sure. Uh, you, you've been doing this for a while. Now, is your, are your walks the uh, first that were done in Canada? No, they were certainly among the first. Um, I started 14 years ago in, in, in 1995, and uh, we... Um, at the time, I wasn't aware of any other ghost tours in Canada, but I later discovered that there were a couple of other tours that were running at the same time. There was uh, Kyle Upton, who uh, I know you know from Ni Fort uh, George in Niagara. He, uh, he started around the same time as me, and uh, as well, there was a ghost tour in Toronto, which uh, only ran until the following year, until 96, before the woman that was running it there closed it down. There have, there are since new ghost tours that have sprung up in Toronto, but... Um, 
Um, she was one of the oldest, so I, I'm not sure which one of us started this first, but there was only about three of us at the time, and now I know of probably at least 30 or 40 ghost tours across the country, just the ones yeah. that have websites, let alone how many more there may uh, be out there. I'll tell you, from uh, for this show, from our vantage point, you are the first. We'll, we'll say <laughs> that right now. And uh, I wanted to ask you, in all the time that you've been doing this, because I know since we started the walks, we didn't start until I think about four years or so after you. Yep. Uh, and but since we've done it, um, strange things have occurred, right, especially back when Stephanie and myself led the tours. I wanted to ask you, because uh, I know you you originally led these tours, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. In the time that you were doing it, what is the strangest thing that you've come across that you couldn't explain? Oh, boy. That's <laughs> a big question. Yeah, it is. I mean, I've had some I've had some bizarre things happen to me. Some of them have just been funny things, not 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 so much the haunted side, but um, you know, definitely we've had uh, probably the most common thing was in was in Kingston, was where I first started the tours. Um, there's an alleyway there uh, that's we now known as Teresa's Alley because there's a ghost that appears there, a woman named Teresa Agnes Beam, and she's asking people to help her find her body and. That is just a place where I've had some bizarre encounters where we've had things happen like loud knocks on the wall, on the on, our, on the glass door behind us where we're standing and telling the story that you can literally see that there's no one in there and you'll hear, you know, really loud thumps happen. Um, just things like that that will unnerve the group. Most of the things that have actually happened to me in places on the tour have happened, you know, have not happened right when I've been on the tour itself, but... Um, uh, uh, but definitely people in the group, certainly we've had plenty of people that are sensitive to such things that will pick up on places and be able to tell you bits of the story before you even get to those parts of the story. <laughs> and right. that's always a little bit unnerving, I guess. Uh, things like, uh, you know, we, we stopped at um, Friday's Roast Beef House up here in Ottawa as a place with, that uh, is haunted by the ghost of fellow that used to live in the in the, in the building. And, uh, you know, we've gotten to that story, and we've had people on the tour say things like, please tell me you're not going to talk about this place, because I had something happen to me there. And uh, then they'll proceed to tell the same story um, that you were about to tell, but with no knowledge of the other people that it's happened to. So uh, I think those are the ones that really put the hairs up on the back of my neck, is when I'll, I'll listen to somebody telling me a story, and you can absolutely tell that they've never, ever spoken to anyone else but the stories will be identical to the same things that have happened to other people. And uh, as a researcher, I find that, uh, I guess personally, I find that to be some of the spookiest stuff that I've dealt with. Uh, I've had some things happen directly to me as well, um, but uh, but those are, the, those are the moments, I guess, when I start thinking, oh, my goodness. <laughs> and I go in these places all the time, you know. It gives validity to the to the, the story, right? I mean, people oh, it kind of makes it very real to you, you know. It's, I think when I, I guess the point for me is that I guess the point I'm trying to make is that when something's happened to me, I've had lots of very spooky things happen to me. Uh, for example, when we were doing an, a ghost investigation at Watson's Mill here in Ottawa, um, you know, I, I remember standing at the foot of a set of stairs, being the only myself and the person standing next to me were the only people in the building and distinctly hearing the sound of two men's voices loudly arguing at the top of the staircase in the dark, right where we were about to go, <laughs> and uh, and just being terrified by that. 
But when something happens to you, you know, the, the rational side of your brain always tries to explain it to you and say, oh, maybe it's a noise from, you know, a window or something, or maybe there's some other explanation. But uh, I find when you're interviewing people and doing the research and you come across things that you can't explain away by any coincidence, uh, you know, uh, a place like Chalmers Church in Kingston where women describe the exact same feeling that always happens when they're playing at the old organ in the church. You know, I interviewed over a dozen different women that all explained to me, that none of whom knew each other, all explaining to me having exactly the same experience, you know, from beginning to end, describing it in almost identical terms. And you think, wow, there's no way I can rationalize that, you know, something definitely is going on here. So that's the parts where I definitely find myself getting creeped out the most. On a side note, uh, that's one of the stops on the Hans Ottawa trip. Is going to be Watson's Mill on, on Sunday. Uh, tell, tell us a little bit about that location. Sure, I will. Yeah, the uh, Watson's Mill was a place that uh, has a very well-known ghost story to it. Um, it was built by a couple of the founders of the early town of Manitick. It's a small village that's sort of on the outskirts of Ottawa. And uh, the most well-known story that took place there uh, was the wife of one of these owners, a woman named Anna Crosby Courier, who was visiting a month after she got married. She was visiting the old mill with her husband for the first time to see his business when her dress got caught in a spinning piece of machinery and she was thrown against a beam and her neck was broken and she was killed instantly in the building. So she is seen by many people at the windows at night. They'll be walking by the building, and they'll see her staring out at them from the windows in the top of the mill. Uh, all kinds of strange things happen there, of course, people hearing strange noises and stuff. And, and th those were the stories that I was familiar with um, going into the mill. Uh, we decided at the Haunted Walk to have a night uh, where we would kind of introduce some of our ghost uh uh, to her leaders to, you know, what an investigation was all about because some of them had not been on a, a real ghost investigation. So we were taking them in two by two to the building. And, and the first thing we did when we got there is we covered up the board. They have a board, a display, listing all the different ghost stories of things that have, people have encountered. I had actually never read this myself. So we put a big blanket over it so nobody would be kind of biased by the, the stories, I guess, before we went in. And... Uh, and as I said, I had this encounter with <laughs> with another investigator where we heard these voices of men arguing. But this is something I'd never, ever heard of as being one of the stories from the mill, so I found it pretty, you know, strange and frightening. At the end of the night, we pulled the blanket off to see, and right there, there's a description, as you'll see when you go, there's a description saying one of the common experiences that guests will say they have at the, at the, the this now museum, at the Watson's Mill, is that they will hear the sound of two men loudly arguing on in the attic in the top floor. And uh, that definitely gave me a chill when I read that. I wasn't, it wasn't the first time somebody had heard that. So Very cool. Yeah. Cool. It's a neat, yeah. old, spooky building and definitely a really well-known haunted building here, too. So it's one that we don't get to visit on our regular walking tours because, of course, it's well outside of town. But for a road trip like the one you're planning, it's a perfect place to go. Yeah, so we love it. We went to it the last couple times, and it's a great stop. Everybody enjoys it. Now, one mm -hmm. one final location that I want to talk about, and then I'll, I'll let you go for the night. But uh, the, the other location that we're going to be visiting uh, on the trip is the Laurier House. Do you have any cool stories, or are you familiar with any ghosts yeah. at the Laurier House? Yeah, Laurier House. Um, 
it is a it, it is a really neat place. Um, it, it was the home of a couple of of our prime ministers, of course, uh, both Wilfrid Laurier and later uh, was lived in by uh, Mackenzie King. And Mackenzie King uh, was very well known as a spiritualist and somebody who uh, had a deep belief in such things. He also had what some people find a rather strange shrine to his mother after his mother died uh, in one of the rooms in the top floor of the building. And uh, that is the place where people have the most encounters. They'll hear either they hear the sound of footsteps coming up the back stairs, or in some cases when people have turned out the light at the shrine to his mother, they'll find it is either turned back on in the middle of the night, or security guards will find that it's that it's been you know that it's been turned off when when they had forgotten to do so. So it's uh, it's a place where they have a lot of strange encounters. Now that story description itself might not sound as spooky as some of the ones from the jail, but believe me when I say actually physically going in this building, you can really sense a very distinct presence that there's somebody there. I mean, anybody, whether you're sensitive to such things or not, you definitely feel something in that building. It's it is a pretty spooky place to go into. So uh, they also have uh, there's two things there that are of great interest. So you're mentioning Mackenzie King. Mm-hmm. Spiritualist side, he had a crystal ball, didn't he? And yes, he did. Yes, and it is still on display there, as well. Did, did, did he make any decisions according to what the crystal ball or what a psychic with the ball might tell him to do? Or no, I mean, through, we have a lot of records from Mackenzie King's life. Uh, he certainly didn't make any any decisions about the country based on any of that. However, uh, or at least that's what he says in his diaries. Um, However, he was definitely very influenced by that, and he even, uh, he was a pretty strange guy, that's for sure. The, the more you know about him, the more kind of uh, unusual this fellow was. And I don't mean his belief in spiritualism, I mean that he, uh, you know, he had a lot of uh, unusual habits. I know that he, he had a series of dogs, all named Pat, that were all, looked identical. And uh, he says in his diaries that he would actually spend some time reading to them from a Bible in order to teach his dog to be a good Christian, I guess. So, I, I found that one a little odd myself. But, uh, is, it is. He was a really eccentric character. He was a great one of Canada's greatest prime ministers, certainly, as far as what he achieved and certainly his lengths of his terms. But at the time, nobody knew about this side of him, that he, was, he had a very strange private side to him. And, um, you know, he really did, believe that he regularly was able to communicate with the dead through the help of mediums and uh many people believe that some of that i guess energy is still around the place he didn't he didn't use the crystal ball for um as far as we know he didn't ever have anyone there using it um in the building but he very commonly would return in the middle of the night after having been to uh see the spiritualist and he would always come in through the back door so he wasn't seen uh, coming in through the front door, which is exactly the door that people will hear uh, the footsteps coming from, uh, is the same one that he would use to come in in the middle of the night if he'd been off to to see his uh, his spiritualist. So, you know, it's a really neat place. It's well worth visiting for sure. Yeah, and almost like he uh, left a little piece of himself behind to watch over the house. I believe his his death uh, death mask is still on display. He, he, he's got, he, there's a lot of bizarre artifacts there in the building, that's for sure. I mean, he was a true, 
you know, he had true Victorian sensibilities where they always uh, had, you know, we have a lot of those kinds of artifacts here in Ottawa. You also have uh, the deaf hand of Darcy McGee is held at the Bytown Museum and other of Ottawa's haunted places. And uh, uh, that, you know, so <laughs> those artifacts were both, just because they were co fairly common among important people, and doesn't make them any less creepy, that's for sure, when you actually see them from a modern sensibility. So, um, true. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on with us, Glenn. Uh, we're no very problem. much looking forward to the trip on, on Friday and experiencing your, your haunted walk, which we'll be doing, I believe, on Saturday evening. Now, for those who want to visit Glenn's site and check out the tours, if you're up in the Kingston or Ottawa areas, uh, his website is www.hauntedwalk.com. Yes. And uh, check out the website. He's been doing this for a long time. Very creepy tours, lots of great stories. Uh, once again, Glenn, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. We look forward to having you in, in Ottawa. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. Take care. Have a nice night. Okay. Bye now. Okay. Very nice to have Glenn Shackleton. Uh, he's, been, he's been doing this for a very long time. And as we mentioned on the show tonight, he was the original purveyor of, of ghost walks in Canada. We will say that clearly tonight. Uh, agreed, H.H. Uh, Poet? Oh, yes. Indeed. It was all Excellent. very interesting. Okay, so before we uh, continue on, um, I'm going to play a quick commercial about the Ottawa trip, and then right after that, if H.H. Uh, if Poet, if you would once again grace us with a wonderful poem. Oh, if you wish. Excellent, thank you. So uh, stay tuned, we will be right back. Have you ever wanted to spend the night in a haunted jail? Here's your chance. Haunted Hamilton presents a rare opportunity that will not happen again for years to come. Join us as we embark on a three-day, two-night journey to our nation's capital, Ottawa. Spend two nights in the infamously haunted Ottawa jail and partake in a true group investigation. Visit solitary confinement, death row, and the original gallows, where many public executions were carried out. Tours of Watson's Mill in Manatic, the Laurier House, and a full haunted walk of Ottawa's historic core. Dinner on Saturday and a Sunday brunch are both included. Visit the disturbed ghost of Anne Courier, see the death mask of Mackenzie King, and maybe meet some uninvited guests at the jail. Don't miss this opportunity. Go to hauntedhamilton.com for all the details. The trip begins on Friday, April 17th, and ends on Sunday, April 19th. Tickets are going fast, so book yours soon. And we're back. Or, well, actually, technically, we never left. We were there the whole time, holding your hand to make sure that you didn't get scared. So, Haunted Hamilton Poet, what do you have for us right now? Well, actually, before I read, um, I just want to say that commercial kind of reminded me of something. Um, have you ever had, um, I guess, someone call you, it says unknown name, unknown number, or private number, or something like that? 
they leave a message, and when you go to check what the message is, it's just static or maybe even a little bit of a whisper in there, and then it hangs up. I've never had that happen, but I'm going to tell you the truth. The ability for spirits to communicate over a phone scares the living crap out of me. I think it's one of the, the scariest things I've ever heard. But has this happened to yeah. you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it actually happened probably about two weeks ago. Someone, someone Just called two weeks I, ago? Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know why it slipped my mind, but I, I figure it's because it was late at night and I was trying to get to sleep and I decided to check my messages. And, uh, yeah, just uh, listening to that message before you go to bed is probably the least unsettling thing, or the most unsettling thing, before you close your eyes and try and fall asleep. So I just kind of let it slip from my mind. What did, what did you hear in the message? What came through? Uh, I don't remember exactly. Like, it, it, it was really inaudible, but I distinctly heard some sort of a whisper. I, I couldn't tell if it was male or female or what, but there was something going on in there. Very, very cool. Um, yeah, once again, that's one of the scariest things, I think, uh, ghosts communicating through the phone. Phones are not supposed to be used for that, and that's why <laughs> it's scary. So uh, do, do you have another wonderful poem to get us all in the mood? Sure. Um, Excellent. I can't wait. <laughs> And I would like to apologize in advance. Uh, if anyone hears a humming sound, that's actually my violently loud computer. So I'm sorry about that, so I might have to speak up. Um, I'm going to read for you one that's, um, that I'm including in my book. It's, um, it's also a more recent one that I've written. Um, I also had it on display last night at the Customs House. Uh, it's called Darkness, My Bride, and it's, uh, it's about a widower. So, Night befell me in my lowly state as the thread of time weaved my gloom, my depression reflected in the skies of studded belts that winter loomed. A lonely chair where I now sit remains an empty seat, a tired space, and reclining with a book I read by the cresting moon under midnight's grace. Humbling myself to this empty room, resting my eyes from the written verse, to pine for the maiden that darkness sent to me be wed and soon disperse. Welling with woe twinkling in the night, a scythe in the heavens had cleaved, for me a solitary crystal tear, an allowance of myself to feel bereaved. Under the willow where she now lays, I endured the night in its moonlit pride, to cradle the memory of my love, to me held dear, the darkness, my bride. You are a sexy fella. Seriously. Oh, th thank you, sir. Yeah, I'm not of that persuasion, but I can say that because I'm comfortable with my sexuality. Oh, yes. Well, so am I, clearly. <clears throat> uh, I'm going to hang up now. No. <laughs> oh, did I make you uncomfortable? Hell no. <laughs> yeah, right. See, I, was I know joking. you're just lying. You're, you're lying. Okay. <laughs> I, I want to talk a little bit, uh, and I want people to know that Hamilton is also a very historic town. It's not even more historic than Ottawa. If Glenn's listening, uh, yes, that's a challenge. Uh, but it is a very historic town, and we have our own public executions here to talk about. And I wanted to tell a quick story that is going to be featured on our Hamilton Dark Past Tour. This is going to be a historical walk, just strictly historical, that is based 
and that focuses on Hamilton's crime history, public executions, mob history, um, murderesses like Evelyn Dick is a very cool walk. And this story comes from uh, the area that is now the McMaster campus in downtown. It used to be the original Gore District uh, Courthouse and the location of the only jail and the only gallows where they did public executions in the back. Now, the street behind this building is currently known as Jackson, and that was renamed. It used to be known as Tyburn, and the name Tyburn comes from England. It was the street that led up to their public gallows. The reason they named this street was because of those executions. And in 1828, uh, back in the time before TV, obviously before uh, main forms, mainstream forms of entertainment, seeing a public hanging was entertainment for these people. So they would come out, like in Ottawa you had 5,000. Well, it wasn't any different here. The, the city only had 2,000 people, yet 5,000 would show up from God knows where. And in 1828, a man named Michael Vincent was sentenced to hang by the neck until dead for murdering his wife. So a crowd showed up twice the size of the city. Uh, merchants were there. They took advantage of the crowds and they sold pies and beer to people who were waiting for the, the <laughs> condemned to come up to the gallows. And they watched in silence as Michael was walked up. <laughs> Sorry, I just realized his name was Michael. I'm not talking about UHH poet. So they watched in silence as, as Mr. Vincent was walked to the gallows, proclaiming the entire way loudly of his innocence right up to the noose. He screamed his final words over the crowd, I die innocent before God and man. The noose was wrapped around his neck, and the hooded executioner kicked him off the platform, twisting him with a jolt. But the thing is, it wasn't enough of a jolt. His neck did not break. So he was swinging back and forth. He was trying desperately to just reach his foot out to a nearby fence to, to steady himself and save himself. So the executioner, he wasn't a very uh, experienced executioner, I guess you could say. He wrapped his arms around the hanging man's torso and jumped down as quickly as possible with all his weight. His hope was that the extra weight would break Mr. Vincent's neck and end the suffering. Now, the whole time that this scene is happening, the crowd, completely unnerved by Mr. Vincent's uh, last words about being innocent, started yelling for an end to it. They believed that God did not want him to die because of the fact that he didn't die when he was kicked off the platform originally. But nothing stopped. Fifteen minutes of convulsing, the executioner hanging and swinging on him and Michael Vincent was finally dead. Now, afterwards, um, when they cut down the body, his family uh, begged that they could take the body and bury him properly. But Christian belief said that a man who was condemned like this, who, who did something so wrong in life, uh, could not be buried on church land. So what they would do is uh, they would either bury them in a back courtyard, like uh, Glenn was mentioning up in Ottawa, but for Michael, there was a medical school in Hamilton at the time, even back then, and his uh, corpse was donated to the dissection department for uh, medical study. So very, very strange. This all happened in Hamilton, very little known fact. Now, on a side note, um, 
in Hamilton, uh, the, the gallows were very well known throughout Canada, and not for a good reason. They're actually known for being very uh, bad gallows, meaning uh, they would easily fall apart. Now, showing his sense of humor, a famous executioner of the time named Sir Ellis uh, sent a letter to his replacement after he retired, and at the very end of the letter, he mentioned that the scaffold at Hamilton should be demolished because it is a dangerous apparatus. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Really? you got to like that yeah, apparatus. You <laughs> so what, what was your first clue? The fact that people were being hung from it? or <laughs> The fact that it, it didn't do a good job hanging people. <laughs> I guess it didn't come quick enough. So once again, so, this is... So technically it's less dangerous because it's not doing a good job of hanging people, therefore saving lives. That's the joke about this, man. Seriously, do I have to explain the joke to you? Yes, you do. Awesome. Okay, well, I'm glad you're doing this because other people may not have understood it as well. Now, eh, it's story, <laughs> very, very true, and it's a Sunday night, too. Uh, these stories here are going to be featured on the Hamilton's Dark Pass Tour. The first tour is going to be Sunday, May the 3rd at 4 p.m. Information about this will go up on the website at hauntedhamilton.com after May 3rd. They will run every Sunday right up to October. So we're looking very forward to those, and that's just a taste for you. Okay, continuing on, we're sort of running out of time. Now, we, we have a feature on this show, and I'd like to include uh, Mr. H.H. Poet in on this. Uh, it's called The Ghost News, or Ghost in the News. And I tell some uh, current stories, ghostly related, from all across the world. And I want to... Uh, Actually, before I get to that, I want to quickly read, because we mentioned the vampire note at the Ottawa jail, and I don't think we got enough on that, because Glenn mm -hmm. mentioned that it may just have been left over from, like, a, uh, a hunt there or, or something that it, it wasn't too real. And I want to read it to people, because it is actually quite the creepy letter. It was found in a back staircase that very few people have access to, and I believe it was written on the wall, it was written on a paper, and then stuck to the wall. But it mm -hmm. says... I am a non-vertical vampire who will vanquish you all. One by one, I will ornate your odorous flesh with famished fangs. But who? Are there 94 or 95 steps to the ninth floor? A book on the top shelf will lead you on the right path. It's almost like a, a riddle. Yeah. No, that's it's almost really like strange. you're telling us to climb up those stairs. And look for this book. What okay, do you think is I, in the book, Hades Poet? <laughs> well, what do I think is in the book? Um, yeah, what do you think? Anthrax. Yeah. <laughs> so you think there's a bunch of terrorists that wrote this <laughs> Yeah, probably. I don't know. Um, I kind of want to check that out. You well, you, you'll be there, so you'll be able to check it out. I think I we would can love get to after. check that out. Yeah, we have a caller on the line. I'm going to bring him in quickly, and then we'll get to ghosts in the news. Caller, you are on the air. Oh, yes, I am, Daniel. It's Tamara. How, how are you tonight? I'm not bad. I had a question for you. Um, sure. Did you, did you research the gallows across from Dundurn Castle? Uh, we know very much about those. Actually, that's not part of this tour, but the gallows across from Dundurn Castle were the ones used during the Bloody Assizes. Okay, and, I just wasn't uh, sure. Yeah, this was this is actually we talk about this at the Hermitage tour at the very beginning because the men who were convicted to die 
uh, were actually treasonous men or believed to be treasonous um, during the War of 1812, and they were in the Ancaster area and actually kept overnight in the basement of the Ancaster Old Mill before they were transferred to those gallows to die. Oh, okay. I just yeah, was double-checking. Yeah, that, that, that's a great story, though, and, and anybody wanting to hear that one, definitely come out to the Hermitage Walk. It's, it's described, unfortunately, in great detail. Well, I shouldn't say unfortunately. H.H. Poet, you'd probably really love it. But it's, it's described <laughs> in great detail at the beginning of that tour. Okay, well, thanks, Daniel. I just wanted to make sure that it was a different time period. I wasn't sure what time period each one was, so I was asking you, kind of. Well, it wasn't actually. It was pretty close together. I mean, that, that was uh, 1814 or 1813, I believe. And then the the one I just mentioned, Michael Vinson, was 1828. So you can see that they were all pretty close together. And at that time, it was sort of uh, commonplace to see those kinds of public executions, even in Canada. Okay, well, I thought it was, but I just wanted to double-check. Okay, thanks, Daniel. Say hi to Stephanie for me. Will do. Thanks for calling, Tamara. Okay, thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye. Okay, so now getting into Ghosts in the News. Okay, um, uh, H.H. Poet, yeah. Stephanie, usually when she's on the line, she will begin a story by singing the words, Ghosts in the News, Aww. and she will end a story by singing the words, Ghosts in the News. So I'd like you to take over for her in that regard. Oh, that's why you got me on the line today. It's right. important. Well, I got you on the line for your awesome poetry, but this is important. <laughs> you need to be replacement Stephanie right now. Now, you get all the perks of, of being my friend without any of the sex. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Are you okay with that? <laughs> I, I, I guess. Okay, so, all right, I'm going to try and do it in, like, the girliest voice possible so that it actually sounds like Steph is here. Okay, awesome. Okay. Okay. Ready? Ready? Mm -hmm. Ghost in the news. <laughs> that was awesome, sir. <laughs> I am proud of you. Thank you very much. Okay, <laughs> I want you to do it one more time, and then I'll go right into the story. Oh, uh, I hate you. You can do it. <laughs> Ghost in the news. The near-death experience of Mr. Mellon Thomas Benedict. Now, you guys have got to see this. I'm going to uh, paste the link in the chat room. If you're not in the chat room, get in the chat room and check this out because there is a website out there that is about a guy and his experiences after he died. Now, depending the way you're looking at it, he's very religious. If you're religious, you'll probably get a real kick out of this. Now, if you're not, it's still an interesting story to read. Uh, some of the stuff that he talks about are just way out there. Now, he believes that he had cancer, and the first line in his, his story says, in 1982, I died from terminal cancer. Now, obviously, he's writing the story, so he's not completely dead. But he died and came back. Now, he woke up that morning, and he said that he knew it was the day that he was going to die. Now, after he passed away, so to speak, he says, the next thing I remember is the beginning of a typical near-death experience. Suddenly I was fully aware I was standing up. My body was in the bed. There was this darkness around me. Being out of my body was even more vivid than any other experience. It was so vivid that I could see every room in the house. I could see the top of the house. I could see around the house, and I could see under the house. Now, he uh, moved on, I guess, passed into a new realm, and at the time saw the figures of Jesus, saw the figures of Buddha, 
and saw the figure of Krishna, um, very much on the, re, uh, the religious side, and he talked about the light, uh, seeing the light that most near-death experiences have, and not so much wanting to go into it, but instead talking to it like it was a being, and one that reacted to what he said. So I do recommend reading this story. It's quite long, but very interesting, and I would love to hear your experiences. For those listening, if you're on the Haunted Hamilton message board, please do post uh, your comments on this story. Uh, I'll uh, see about putting the link on there a little bit later on. Did you post? Ghost in the news. By the way, awesome. I feel violated. <laughs> Don't feel that way. You're awesome. Absolutely violated. <laughs> a TV station in Britain captured a ghost on film. Oh, dude. The re- Ooh. <laughs> the result... <laughs> this, is, this is really cool because it is actually at an old historic hall. Um, I'm going to try and read this. Crockstep Hall, and it dates back to 1575. Now, they had a, uh, I guess, a film crew there filming for some reason, and in this shot, a uh, figure... It actually almost looks like uh, some type of bird fluff or duck fluff that's uh, <laughs> moving down a pathway in the shot. It's very obvious, and I'm actually going to post this one into the mess- into the chat room too because it is very difficult for me to, to read this link out, as you'll see. And the, the video is at this link. And they believe that it is the ghost of the 7th Earl of Sefton who died in 1972 at the hall. Now, his family had owned the hall since it opened in 1575. So you can see it was the same family from 1575 to 1972. And after his death, it got passed over to the city of Liverpool to be run as a museum. Now, it is very well known, as a lot of stuff in England is very well known to being haunted. And when they got this this, uh, duck fluff, so to speak, moving throughout the, the video, uh, immediately, uh, counselors and um, the people who run the museum thought it would be the seventh Earl of Stephen because he was just that kind of man. They knew he would return to his to his place. So check out that link. Check out the video. Um, very very cool. Now, Britain is very well known for being haunted, and I want to go off on a little bit of a story here that is normally told by Ghost Guy James, and it is a story when he was a child visiting England, he went to the Tower of London, which everybody knows the Tower of London. This is the site of many executions, many terrible things. The energy there is amazingly bad. And what he saw kind of added to that, uh, he was touring the area and he noticed something moving within one of the small chapels. And out popped from the front door this figure and he, he sort of didn't understand what he was seeing at first but then it kind of dawned on him that there was this woman standing there, and the strange thing about her is that her head was missing. And <laughs> instead of being on her neck where it should be, her head was tucked under her arm. And she walked out of the chapel and moved forward. Now, at the same time, in a very methodical way, the guards at the, at the tower moved forward and blocked the people not just James. He wasn't the only one who saw this. Other people saw this, and they blocked him, blocked all of them from seeing it, almost as if they'd done this before. Now, the ghost is believed to be the famous ghost of Anne Boleyn, because when Anne Boleyn was sentenced, was executed, 
Uh, she was buried after her head was chopped off. They put her into a coffin, a small coffin that wouldn't have fit her head above her neck. So instead, they tucked her head under her arm. <laughs> very cool story. Ghost guy James, very much a ghost magnet. Hmm. Can you take a photo? Oh, I have to do it again? Of course you do. Come on, man. Oh, so violated. Ghost in the news. You are hot. Uh, UFOs on the run. <laughs> yes. And you Everybody think I'm do. uncomfortable? Oh. Never. <laughs> Never. Okay. <laughs> UFOs on the run, everybody. Believe it or not, Americans like to chase UFOs. This happened in Illinois. Four witnesses saw what they thought to believe a UFO in the sky. And what they did, instead of maybe taking a picture or making note of it, screaming and running away, instead they jumped into their car and took off, chasing after the UFO and pitting American car technology against those aliens. <laughs> now, the chase lasted through Illinois, and they actually crossed state lines into Indiana, where two of them were still on the trail. Now, they lost sight of the ship and decided that they should report what happened. Now, what they said was they saw an object in the sky that was triangular in shape and that it seemed to change colors constantly. Now, towards the end, when they lost sight of it, they believed that they also saw a military craft coming in around it. Now, you can think that maybe these aliens are just crafty and, and the military knows about it, and it's a big conspiracy and we're kept in the dark. Now, the other, the other side of this, for those who may be a little more level-headed, it's possible this could have been a stealth bomber. Stealth bombers are triangular in shape, and they do have lights on them usually, and that the military planes that came to meet the stealth bomber were just part of the same test that that was. I don't know. I guess if I chased it across state lines, I would want to believe it's a UFO, too. Yeah. Now, when you were telling that story, I kind of... Um Imagine, like, that getaway music with the banjo. How would that go? Yeah, I, I can't really make the sound for it, but it it would be really humorous. Kind of like a bunch of hicks with grandma on the Exactly, yes. Running exactly. away. Exactly. Awesome. <laughs> okay, you know what I'm waiting for, though? Ghost in the news. A haunted you. car for sale on Craigslist. Can you believe it? A haunted car. It's not just prostitutes anymore. It's actual <laughs> cars on Craigslist. And even Haunted Hamilton has gone as far to post events on there, but we never saw this. A man put his 1992 Honda Accord up for sale. Now, the interesting thing about this is he believes this car is haunted. He went as far as to pour thousands of dollars into fixing up every piece of it just to prove that it wasn't the case. But it continued to happen where some of the car's special features seemingly became possessed by a demon. Now, he says when you get into this car, it makes you have an odd feeling, like you want to leave fast. And also, there's a cold spot inside the rear seat. Now, before you go and rush to Craigslist to buy this car, there is a disclaimer, a warning, so to speak, that this car has tried to kill. Remember this, and he disclosed this very honestly, that the car has tried to kill him on many occasions. Now, he doesn't give too many details on the crimes that this car has done, maybe to protect it so he could sell it and get it out of his life, 
But at the very end of the ad, he makes sure everybody knows that the please, please, please take this car away from me. Uh, I have to do it again. One more time. <laughs> ghost in the news. Awesome, and that's the ghost in the news for tonight. Thank you, everybody. Thank God. <clears throat> you you did great. Don't feel so violated. I, I am oh. proud of you. And I just scared the crap out of myself. It's pitch dark in my apartment right now, and I just walked past a mirror, and my reflection scared me. That's yeah. Not nice. I'm a sissy. You're not. Don't, don't that. Okay, so I, I want to play something before the end of this. Now, I had a section uh, that was, or some stuff I was going to talk about during the show if, if uh, resident psychic Kate came on, but she wasn't able to make it tonight. Uh, I want to talk a bit about psychic. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to save that for the next show, but I do want to play a clip that I think everybody's going to love here. Um, it's, it's not anti-psychic in so many sense, but everybody's heard of Sylvia Brown. Uh, she is very well known. She's on the Montel Williams show every now and then. And she charges a lot for her readings. Now, there was a show not too long ago that um, she was sort of, I guess they say they, she got busted, meaning uh, she was very wrong about something <laughs> that was being uh, read on the show. So I want to actually play that clip for you now, and I hope you're able to hear it. And we'll discuss a little bit once it's done. A few years ago, they never found And I've had such a hard time since. Every day. The reason why you didn't find him is because he's in water. And to find him in water, it's like the girl is missing in Aruba. You, you, you can't find somebody. Well, it was September 11th. There was no, he was a fireman. But well, no, see, I keep seeing him in water. Is there any way he could have drowned in water in some way? They never found a piece of him. Nothing. From 9-11. Because he, he says he couldn't breathe and he was filled with water. Yeah. Well, if they were trying to put the fire out to Montana, they could have, you know, yeah. Probably one of the most uncomfortable silences in the middle of there. Now, did that come through okay, H.H. Poet? Yeah, it came through all right. About how it's kind of static, but I caught I caught the last bit of it. Well, it's basically the woman stood up and was mentioning that uh, she can't get over the fact that her husband was dead. Now she never said what happened to him, but Sylvia Brown, being the type of person that she is, she's very aggressive with her style, and she'll just jump in and tell you what's what. And in many close situations, if if um, you don't think she's right, she gets defensive, she gets angry. <laughs> Now, this one was one of the ones that she was completely off the mark because when she said that, I see your husband uh, uh, died in water or something about water, not knowing that this lady's husband died in 9-11. He was a firefighter, and he was trapped in the towers when they fell. Uh, it's just it's a, the silence in the middle there. It's so uncomfortable, and the look on her face. Uh, you can find this, um, this uh, video on YouTube if you just search for uh, Sylvia Brown and Busted. And it come <laughs> uh, so that, that's interesting. So what I want to do is on the next show, I'm going to talk about psychics. We're going to give the good parts, good parts being our resident psychic, Kate Kingston. 
uh, amazing psychic. Uh, she has been right so many times. And I tell you, working with us, working with Haunted Hamilton is not an easy task when you're psychic. We put them through the ringer. So uh, she, ho hopefully we can get her on the show next time. We'll discuss that. I have a couple more videos I will play for you as well. And uh, we'll see the, the good and the bad sides of psychics on the next Haunted Hamilton Radio. HH Poet, do not ask me about the date because I don't know yet. <laughs> yes, sir. Most people would have just asked me for the date, and then I would have gotten upset. <laughs> no, no, I'll, I'll spare you from that tonight. Well, you're a special fella. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And thank you. Thank you for coming on the show tonight and taking over. Uh, Stephanie, uh, she had a uh, family thing tonight because it's Easter weekend, and she actually wanted to cancel the show, but I said no. I said I will not take this show away from our fans, and I said if you're not going to do this show... I know somebody who will, and you, you wanted to do it, and I was amazed. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. You've been awesome tonight. Your, your poetry, as always, just amazes me. And uh, humor at the cost of my dignity. <laughs> Come on. Just like a woman <laughs> saying ghosts in the news is not a big deal. There are amazing things that I could put you through right now if you really wanted me to. Well, that, that's not it. Oh, look at, look at the time. It's my bedtime. Oh, well, you've been awesome. And you know what? I, I will let you go now. But uh, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm sure everybody else enjoyed hearing your poetry tonight. And, of course, your great rendition of Stephanie's Ghost of the <laughs> uh, I, I hope she's able to hear that sometime. <laughs> Maybe. Well, you know what? She can listen to the archive show on Blog Talk Radio, definitely. Uh, there so we go. <laughs> the next time, I believe, people can come and uh, see you. Well, people coming on the Ottawa trip, you will be on the Ottawa trip with us. And after that, um, we have the Hermitage Walk the week after. Uh, you will hopefully grace everybody with your presence and do a poem for them at the story time portion of the Hermitage Walk. Yes, I will. Excellent. Great time. Well, you have yourself a nice evening there, H.H. Poet. You too. And good night to everyone else. Okay, so we have about four minutes remaining on the show. Um, if anybody wanted to call in to get the last word, uh, right now what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to play just a quick commercial. We like to play on each show, discusses a little bit about Haunted Hamilton. Hey, Dan. Yes? You know what? What? I think people should visit our super cool website. Why is that? Because, silly, they can read hundreds of articles on local hauntings, get more information on events and ghost walks, and much, much more. Like, totally. Stephanie, you should just give out the site already. Good idea, Dan. It's www.hauntedhamilton.com. Okay, so uh, last remaining thing I just want to mention, uh, we still have tickets available for the Haunted Ottawa bus trip. Uh, this show was sort of dedicated on Ottawa hauntings. We had Glenn Shackleton telling some of his stories from the locations. Uh, we want to sell those tickets. We want you to come with us on this unique opportunity. I'm going to tell you right now that the decision has already been made. This will probably be the last time we do this for a few years, so it is a unique opportunity. The information is up on hauntedhamilton.com. Go to hauntedhamilton.com, click at the very top. It says Ottawa Bus Trip, and in there you will get all the details as well as the price, 
the dates, the times, the itinerary, what's included. You'll be able to reserve. You'll be able to pay online if you wish with credit card. And you'll be able, most importantly, to come with us to Ottawa and experience this wonderful event centering around the extremely haunted Ottawa jail. So we're very much looking forward to that. Uh, other events coming up, um, the ghost hunt at the Customs House is almost sold out as well. That is Friday, April 24th. Our first Hermitage Walk of the season, which we're very excited about. HH Poet's going to be there. And uh, that is going to be on Saturday, April 25th, and that is booking now. And on Sunday the 26th, this is a busy weekend for us, is Old Man Young. Book for that. George Sanford is Old Man Young. Amazing, amazing acting. Uh, Sue Hilton, uh, or known as Lady Elizabeth to those who have seen her in action. Uh, she is there as Joan and the great violin stylings of Adam. He is wonderful. So definitely check that out. Um, I believe that is it we have for tonight. I would normally ask Stephanie if she had anything to say right now, but she's not here, so she has nothing to say. This is my show. I've taken over the airwaves. So with the, saying that, I'd like to play at the end of our show a little bit from... Oh, crap, I deleted it. Normally I play a little bit from our friends at Twitchcraft, but I don't have it on here, so instead... I'm going to give you the theme for the Old Man Young Theater. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great night. Have a great rest of the Easter weekend. Hopefully you're off tomorrow. If not, think about us at work. Take care. Patreon. Hope to see you all next time down in the pumpkin patch. Thank you, goodbye, and blessed be.